Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to VLGA Connect. It's time for another In Conversation With segment on the program, and I'm delighted to have with me uh, two people today from Hume City Council. I've got Liz Shield, the Community Development Officer, and Julie Andrews, who's the Coordinator of Community Capacity Building at the Council, to talk about the Council's win in the Welcoming Cities Awards. Julie, Liz, hello. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Welcome to the program and thanks for agreeing uh, to tell us about this terrific Health Champions uh, initiative for which you've been recognised with a Welcoming Cities Awards for Change. That must have been a great thrill for you. It was. It was. Um, I, we've worked really hard during the COVID times I, when um, we've had a lot of people around us who haven't been working, but we've probably worked more than we've ever worked in the last um, couple of years. Um, so it was really nice to receive the award, yeah. So tell me about uh, Health Champions. What was it all about? Where did the idea come from? Um, well, the idea came from initially um, when we first went into lockdown. Uh, we already have uh, established networks with the community, like our interfaith network, our working groups and um, our, hub, our hubs program. And we're recognising that community weren't getting information um, there was a real disconnect with the information. So even though we were getting social media out and there was lots of mixed messages, they were very confused and, and, and a bit scared, of course. And so we engaged our um, interfaith leaders to do some Facebook messaging in different languages because we also recognise that um, because we're a culturally diverse community that... Uh, English not being um, a majority of the communities, not being their first language, that translation and material wasn't getting happening. So the um, having the faith leaders speaking their in their um, first language was really important. So just on that cultural diversity issue, can you give us a sense of of of, of the the lay of the land, for want of a better term, in Hume? Because I think you're you're one of the more culturally diverse communities, at least in metropolitan Melbourne, aren't you? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've got the stats here somewhere where, because um, I like to get it right, we've got like about uh, 156 languages spoken in here um, and probably... Um, we have a high humanitarian intake, so 30% of residents come from other countries, but more than 50% of the refugees that come to Victoria come to Hume. It's one of the main places that people settle because of the community that's already here. Right. So what you were seeing in the early stages of the pandemic, and particularly when vaccinations became available, I think were low take-up rates. And Mm -hmm. I've heard some some debates around why that is in multicultural communities, whether it's mistrust of authority because of where they've, the experience that they've come from, their home country, et cetera. Or that language barrier. What is it? Is it those things and more, or what was it for your community? You think? I, I think it was a combination. I, I think it was um, uh, a mistrust of, of. There was definitely a lot of um, uh, 
other media going around with the, the you know, um, scaremongering. scaremongering, that wrong kind of information. No. Um, there was a lot of confusion. There was uh, where they would normally tap into the network, say close down, those sort of things. So, and there was also the language barrier and, and a lot of the community were getting information from overseas, so they weren't getting Australian information, they were getting overseas information um, and not knowing how to tap into the information. So council were putting out a lot of information, but council wasn't necessarily the first port of call either, yeah. nor was the state government. And then when, if you went onto the websites, uh, the information was dense. There was a lot of it. There was like in one section that I was looking in, there was over nine pages of rules and regulations of what you could and couldn't do. Um, and yeah. to, to add to that, there was a lot of shame experienced by the community when there was that blaming in the media and naming of specific postcodes where people weren't yeah. getting a lot of testing and, and that just compounded all those issues because then people didn't want to get tested, didn't want to tell people that had COVID, had to work. Mm. You know, we have a high proportion of people in Hume that work in casual industries, which mm. couldn't stay at home to work. So people are, are not being able to stay home, but they're being told stay home unless you can get tested or you can go shopping. But it, they're very confusing messages for yeah. people who were dependent on their casual work to survive. So I've heard all of those examples from a number of communities uh, through the COVID experience. In your case, you managed to turn those participation rates around, and I think in a big part due to this health champions thing. So tell us, how did that all come about as a solution? Well, we've got some funding from DPC um, to, you know, to start to support the community. And we did a multi-pronged approach, but one of them definitely was the health champions building on the, on the success of the interfaith um, network messaging that we've done earlier, and just realising that information doesn't equal behaviour change, and you can get as much information out there as, as you like, and even if you get it to, to the right sources, that it wasn't necessarily um, supporting that behaviour change. So, um, and also building on the, on the shaming of the community. We have a very proud and diverse community in here and the media were again, you know, um, naming actual suburbs that the community were living in, which was really quite challenging. So it just went to ground. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, engaging the community leaders that are living in the community was really important and supporting them to get the messaging out to the community was probably the key thing. And we just thought that as leaders, they can demonstrate behaviour change mm. and, and lead the way rather than just tell people what to do. And they're trusted sources of information. So mm. these are people that are known to people in the community. Their kids go to a local school. They go to a local place of worship. They shop in the same areas. You know, they have friends and family and networks and colleagues. So if someone you know and trust is giving you information, you're more likely to believe it than just an anonymous politician on television. If you're even watching that 
that television station and getting those messages at all. It's so very true. And there are so many sources of information now, mm. aren't, aren't there? So you, you've got, I think, 23 multicultural leaders into this Health Champions program. How did you go about equipping them with the right information and resources? Um, well, we have a, a, a really, we have a really great team. So like whilst Liz and I here as the front of the Health Champions, it was a, a whole team approach. So. Um, our women engagement officers, Joanna, um, led and supported the health champions to get the education and training they needed. We looked at partners in the community like DPP Health and Waterworld Project who are already delivering a range of programs to help train the, the health champions so that they were um, trained up in what was the actual correct information how to have some of those challenging, conflicting conversations, you know, how to, how to um, uh, encourage some level of calm and, and behaviour change. So And using social media? And, and use, how, how to use, use their social, own social media to yeah. share their messages? Using social media for good rather than evil, huh? Yes. yes. <laughs> what an idea. <laughs> yes. did, I, did I read also that you used the Bang the Table engagement platform in some way yes. through this as well? How important was that? It was pretty important, yeah. I think that was um, because that, that then as um, information came through, because as you know, restrictions were changing regularly and um, like one minute you... you um, had to stay within a 5k radius and then you could move within a 5k radius and there was all of the, the different messaging. So having that up to date and the health champions being able to access that was really good. So then they weren't just necessarily relying on an officer contact. So, so, so tell me about the outcomes here. I mentioned that the, the participation rates, vaccination rates, etc., improved dramatically. What did that actually look like? Leading on from the success of the health champions, we um, then got some funding to employ the bilingual workers and the population health team led that bit of work. And one of the key things that the population health team talked about was that um, they engaged workers for their ability to communicate with their own community as opposed to what their skills were, because we could develop their skills. Mm -hmm. So rather than looking for skill-based people, we actually looked for people who had a connection in the community and could, again, be trusted. Um, and that they were then um, skilled up in, in all health and wellbeing knowledge and um, supported community to attend the vaccination hubs. Because when the vaccination was introduced, people had a lot more technical questions about that. So it wasn't just enough to say, oh, you should get vaccinated. Yeah. People want to know about side effects. They want to know about their options and the different vaccines and all those different things. So we needed people who could um, speak their language and attend those sessions and convey that information, yes. which was in addition to the health champions messaging. Right. And I think it went from 35% to nearly 80% double vaccination rate, didn't you? Which was pretty it was extraordinary. It was pretty extraordinary, extraordinary uh, lift. But I think so, also that was um, the access to vaccinations too was really important. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of factors at play, yeah. of course, <laughs> as, as it developed. Um, so tell me about Welcoming Cities. Hume's obviously part of the Welcoming Cities program. Um, what was the experience like going for this award and being ultimately successful? It was really quite 
a privileged and proud moment, I think, because um, welcoming cities, we were probably one of the first local government authorities to sign up with welcoming cities. When they were just forming, they came around and visited our community hubs program and a few of our other programs of working with new arrivals and refugees. And um, we've always been really um, strongly connected with welcoming cities. Um, but also recognise that there's a lot of councils now that are involved and engaged. Uh, they're a great resource in supporting us in um, the delivery and ensuring that we're keeping up to date with what we're doing. Um, and they provide a really good um, network opportunities as well. So Liz attends the Welcoming Cities um, network, which is why it was really good for her to be able to come up to Canberra as well. And, um, participate in that but mm, especially um, during COVID you know we were all mm. sharing information connecting with each other sharing our challenges and you know the specific things that our diverse communities needed to be supported through this time it was very useful to have that sort of national perspective and be able to support each other and our communities. So Liz you went to Canberra to the symposium and received the award on behalf of Hume? We proceeded together, Julie and I. Terrific. Yes. That, would have, that would have been a thrill. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock. I yes. don't think we realised that we were kind of, I knew we were nominated, but, you know, we sort of just sat back. And, but when we got it, it was, it was lovely. But it's also, I think, and what I tried to do in my um, uh, keynote was talk about the surrounding local governments as well and the information and knowledge sharing and so whilst, you know, it's nice to be recognised, I think, you know, all local governments and the work that they did during the COVID lockdown is really important to acknowledge. Now, one thing that occurs to me, all this work you've done through COVID to build these, these engagement tools and the relationships with the community, that must give you such a great foundation to build on for future dealings with your community. Yeah. And there's other opportunities, like the health champions have done some mental health first aid training with Drummond Street because, you know, we're still in the pandemic. We're just in a different phase of it. Mm. There's still recovery going on. There's still mental health and other issues in the communities that need addressing. So the health champions are very much still engaged with us and in those next phases of what's next. And there are other leadership opportunities that come up that we can refer them for. And it's really, yes, it's a beautiful relationship that's definitely ongoing. You might even see that pay fruit in terms of future elected representatives, perhaps, uh, as we move through council cycles. If we're lucky. There's some <laughs> very um, strong and committed leaders in the community, which is you know, really nice to be part of. Well, congratulations. Uh, a terrific program, well-deserved uh, recognition through the Welcoming Cities Awards, and I really do appreciate you both joining us on the program to tell us more about your Health Champions initiative. Julie and Liz from Hume City Council, thank you. Thank, thank you, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> That's uh, Julie Andrews and Liz Shield, Hume City Council, on our edition of VLGA Connect for today. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or on podcast, and we'll be back with more very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.